Amen. Thank you, praise team. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt today that God is good. Amen. He has given us this wonderful opportunity to come to his house. It is my pleasure to stand with you today. My name is Ron Jones. I am this is here. My great joy to bring the word of the Lord to you this morning. There's a certain question that appears in the Bible a lot. What's in your hands? And we're going to look at that first. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Father, Lord, how wonderful, how great, how marvelous you are. Lord, your grace is unimaginably strong, unfailing. Your faithfulness is good to us, renews every morning. Lord, I pray your spirit would be welcomed in this place. Lord, Lord, please cause us to lay aside every worry and concern. Fill our hearts, hearts with your word and your spirit. Lord, Lord I, pray I pray that I would speak the words that you have prescribed for us this morning. morning. And give, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. What's, What's in, in your hand? hand? That, that question is asked, asked in the Bible and a lot, a lot of, of different places, places in different ways. ways. And, and it's one of the Bible questions that you see reoccurring from time to time to different people are asked what's in your hands or what do you have on hand. And by understanding and seeing the answers to that question that shows up in different places in the Bible, we find that indeed it does tell the story of the Bible. Can, can be seen in that, that simple question. question. We see next that, that there, there are three pillars, if you will, of biblical truth that the answer to this simple question, what's in your hand, touches. The first is the awful nature of sin that has condemned each and every one of us. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, but the second, second pillar shows us what, what Jesus, Jesus brought is a path to salvation through his body, through his blood, which we will commemorate in our Lord's Supper in a little bit. And finally, if we are truly believers, then what the Lord wants from us to be in our hands is service to him. When we commit everything in, that we have right now, to 100% to serve our living God. So first, let's look at, in more detail, the first pillar regarding sin. And the thing is that what we have in our hand is our guilty hands are stained with sin. This is a biblical truth. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, beginning in verse 1, we find this written. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters 
wickedness. The question to us is what do we hold in our hands? And as we've highlighted there, our hands are defiled with blood, with blood guiltiness before a living Savior. And that church is an unpleasant and horrible thought. If I get blood on my hands from anything, what the first thing I want to do is wash it clean. I can't stand having bloody hands. If I hurt myself, my hands are bloody. If I mess with hamburger meat to cook it, I'm like, ick, i got to wash my hands like in the next 20 seconds. We don't like to have bloody hands. We'd rather not. But the Bible says our hands are stained, so when the Lord says, show me your hands, we have sin-stained hands. And the Bible says that our iniquities, our sin-stained hands have separated us from God, from the good things, the eternal life that God wants for me and you. We are in no position in our natural human state to claim those. Why? Because our hands are bearing witness of our guiltiness before God. Our hands are bloody. Well, whose blood are we guilty of? I haven't killed anybody, have I? Let's look at our next slide, and it shows us, the, the, I think, the picture that captures this ever so well. We are guilty, church, of the blood of Jesus because Jesus came and shed his blood so that he might purify our hands of our blood guilt. In Matthew 27, in verse 24 through 26, it says, So when Pilate saw he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. When it came down to the question where Jesus had been railroaded and falsely accused and the religious leaders who were jealous of him, who did not accept him as the Messiah, brought him before Herod and Pilate and said he deserves to die. And Pilate said he doesn't deserve to die. What evil has he done? He said, it's customary at the feast that I release a, a, a prisoner to you. Well, how about Jesus? Because he knew Jesus had been falsely accused, but they would have no part of it. And they became guilty of the blood of Jesus. And let's not even begin to think that, oh, that's something that happened back there. That's something that happened way back then. I did not participate in that guilt. And if you say that, you become like good old Pilate over there. His hands are stained with blood, but he says what? He says, I'm not guilty of his blood. I'm innocent of his blood. And he pours water over his hands as if that would cleanse the blood from his hands. And church, you cannot cleanse the blood from your own hands. I don't care how much water you use. I don't care how much lye soap you use. I don't care how many church rolls you sign or how much money you put in an offering plate. None of those things will cleanse the blood guiltness from your hands. Certainly not as Pilate 
thought he was doing. I read that scripture and I'm just amazed at the irony. As Pilate says, I'm innocent of this man's blood, see to it yourself. And then the people in the crowd who were in a, in a, in a rabid rage to kill Jesus, they said, his blood be upon us and our children forever. And church, I'm telling you that they were right. The blood of Jesus is going to be on you one way or the other. It will either testify to the blood guilt on your hands because you have rejected Jesus Christ or his blood will cover your sins and you will be saved by his grace. So yes, the blood of Jesus is very, very important. Pilate could not absolve his guilt by merely washing with water, but Jesus can absolve our guilt this morning by washing in his blood. Oh, but be careful how you choose because rejecting Christ has eternal consequences. So what's in my hands? If I looked at my human condition, I could see the blood guiltiness. But what if we asked Jesus Christ, Jesus, what's in your hands? And there's a couple of answers to that question. After Jesus was cruelly crucified and he yielded his life, he shed his blood, he was put in a borrowed tomb, and for three days he lay in that tomb. But then on the third day, church, he rose from the dead. And the very next week, the disciples were gathered together because they were afraid behind locked doors, and Jesus stood in their midst. He appeared to them. They told Thomas, the disciple, they said, Hey, brother, shouldn't miss Sunday night service. Jesus was here. He said, no way. I'm not believing that. I'm not believing that unless I can touch his nail-scarred hands and put my finger into the wound at his side. Then I'll believe, maybe. And then next, a week later, Jesus appeared again in John 20 and 24. It says, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus. We can ask him this morning, Jesus, what's in your hand? And he would show you the scar. And he says, you know how that got there? Because I was crucified for your sin. Now, church, I've heard it said that the only thing in heaven made by man are the scars that Jesus bore for us. That's what's in his hand. His scars, his shed blood means, and it leads to something that is so wonderful. It is the only thing that can remove the stain of guilt from our soul this morning. And that's what we see next. What's in Jesus' hand? Salvation. Christ's nail-scarred hands firmly grasp all who believe in Him. And church, I'm counting on that one. And there's a promise in the Bible that I want to claim, that's it. How on earth could this work? We ask Jesus again, Jesus, what are you holding in your hands this morning? In John 10 and 27 through 30, Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. I can't believe how many times I've read this scripture and it just dawned on me that Jesus says we're in his hands and the Heavenly Father says we're in his hands. So, I had this picture in my hand of Jesus holding a bunch of little army men. And I was like, that's me. I'm in the hand of Jesus. If anybody tries to come and snatch, Jesus says, uh-uh, no way. But that's not the complete picture, church. Jesus said the Heavenly Father says we're in his hands too, so it's not just like this, it's like this. You're not going to lose your salvation. If you are truly saved, redeemed by grace in Jesus Christ, you are in the hand of Christ. I trust the one who hung the stars and framed the galaxies and created the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Church, I believe he is not clumsy. He's not going to drop me. And they have a death-tight grip on all who believe, and there is no one, not the devil in hell, no satanic power is able to remove us from that loving, eternal, and secure grasp. Jesus, what's in your hand this morning? Believers, he says, you are. We're in his hands. If we've committed our and put our trust in him. How good is your grip on salvation? Your grip on salvation is as good as the grip of the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Because you can be held in their hand this morning. Have you asked him to cleanse you from your blood guiltiness? Have you put your confidence and faith in him and said, Lord Jesus, I know that there is no work that I can do to be worthy of your forgiveness. There's no way I can pour water over my hands. I can't even get dunked in the baptismal pool and, and expect that to wash away my sins. The only solvent that has been proven to wash away humanity's sins is the eternal blood of Jesus Christ. And once we have repented of our sins and come to him in faith, church, you're safer than all the gold in Fort Knox. I don't care how many guards they put on it. You are eternally secure. That's what's in his hands today. Oh, but before you begin to think, well, I'm off the hook. I don't have to do anything. I'm just on the glide path to salvation. I just cut the engines off and in I land. Nope. Because Jesus has called us to service. And that's the next thing. God is looking for those who will serve him. We must eagerly serve God with whatever is in our hands right now.
You know, we can make a commitment and say, I don't have enough to be worthy to serve God. Well, that's true for everybody. Well, maybe if I can accumulate this much or get this much talent or maybe later on I get my life organized, I'll serve God then. It doesn't work that way. If God wanted perfect messengers to go forth and spread the Great Commission, he would have never looked to humanity to start with. But, you know, God wants to do something special. Let's look at what he told Moses next. Y'all remember Moses. Moses, who grew up in the courts of Pharaoh. And then he was trying to take up for his people. He killed an Egyptian in anger. Pharaoh heard about it. He, had, he ran for his life. Wound up in the backside of the desert for 40 years. Pastoring the flock for his father-in-law Jethro. Just a lowly shepherd. And then one day he stumbles across the burning bush and God says, Moses, I've got a job for you. I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses was all like, well, God, I can't do that. I'm just a shepherd. They're not going to listen to me. Why would they listen to me? And God asked him a question. It's the same question we'll be looking at. He said, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And Moses, it's just my shepherd's staff which I use every day. It's just a piece of stick of wood. And the Lord was like, that'll do. Moses, pick it up and throw it on the ground. And Moses picked up that shepherd's staff he'd used for years. He threw it on the ground and it became a snake. There's a sign for you. Oh, what was special about that poor shepherd's rod? Did it have some magical properties? No, that was just the thing that Moses was holding on to and that was just the thing that God wanted him to use. What are you holding on to, child of God, that God says what's in your hand? There's a place of service for you. Oh, don't begin to say, well, I, I'm a nobody. But who are we in the face of the grace of God? But church... The Lord said he wants us to love him with all of our heart and mind and soul. He wants us to give him everything. Paul says we are to become living sacrifices. That means just like we sang in the song, we give him everything. And that's not easy sometimes because we want to hold on to this and that. Sometimes we want to hold on to our resentment. Well, I'm not being treated fair. Or I'm entitled to this, or I'm entitled to the other thing, or I don't want to spend this much time doing this. Or we have all kinds of things we want to hold on to. We have all kinds of excuses to make. And the Lord's saying to us this morning, what is in your hand? How on earth can God take the little pathetic talent I have, the little pathetic amount that I amount to. How can God use that? Well, just look at what he did with the rod of Moses, his servant. Through God's power, that rod, Moses, I think God was making a point when he told Moses to wave the rod over Egypt and the various plagues came down and over the Red Sea and the waters parted. 
What's in your hand? Nothing much. But when God decides to move through it, it becomes something much. Let's look at the next example. What do we have on hand? And I can tell you this, church, it's not enough. Oh, 5,000 people are hungry. They've come out of the wilderness to listen to Jesus, and Jesus has had compassion. He says, we're going to feed them. Lord, we don't, we don't have enough to do that. If we have to go to, to Harvey's and buy bread, that's going to be like a, a year's salary. How can we do that? But Jesus asked them something interesting question he said how many loaves do you have go and see take inventory what have you got the Lord can make something out of nothing but he always wants to know what's in your hand what are you holding on to that you think is insignificant and nothing Jesus says guess what give me that what's in your hand I'll take it I'll bless it and it's gonna be enough you know the story it was, the, it was a young lad who had the five loaves and the, and the two fish. Well, what is this among so many? And Jesus said, let me show you. And Jesus took that little lunch with 5,000 hungry people looking on, and in the Bible says he blessed it. He blessed it before there was a mirror. He blessed the gift that was given. He blessed the pathetic little bit and then he told his disciples sit the people down and begin to hand it out and they took and they began to hand it out and a little bit became a lot and a lot became a plenty and plenty wound up being enough to feed every living soul and I'm sure there were some people like me there who were pretty good eaters and they had 12 baskets left over Church, only God can do that. Hillside Baptist Church, what's in your hand this morning? We look out and we see a lost and dying world. Here in the Bible Belt, we see a community that is desperate for Jesus. We see so many needs. We have so little. But what we have in our hand, let's just offer it to Jesus. Let's just test the Lord on this one. Let's say, Lord, here's my everything. Lord, I am all in. I'm not holding back. I'm not keeping something in my pocket for later. I am completely sold out to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I want you to take me flaws and all. Lord, I want you to take me, my faith, and my insecurity. Lord, I want you to take my talents and my disabilities. Lord, I want you to take my good gestures and goodwill and my moodiness and my temper problem. Lord, I want you to change me into what you need me to be. Lord, I want you to bless us so that we can minister to the need. And then everyone will say, oh, not how great I am, not how great Hillside Baptist Church is, but look how great God is. Look how wonderful and faithful He is. Our best, our everything, 
as little as that might be, with God's blessing, becomes so much more than enough. Our invitation for thought this morning is this. Simply, what's in your hands? If your hands are still stained by sin, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. 